You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mark. First of all, this ain't our first rodeo. We know how it's done. We know the rules and regulations that govern this facility. I need you to hit that like button. I need you to hit that subscribe button. I need you to hit that five star button. If you just got your prostate check, I need you to hit that button. If you see a button somewhere, I need you to hit it, all right? Check this out, man. Jason. Somebody in the group chat yesterday from YouTube while watching the show said that if you mention that 400-foot apartment one more time, they're going to smash their computer. And Jason, I got to admit, man, you, you, you got to step your game up a little bit, man. How many people going to keep on believing that you lived in a 400-foot apartment? Everybody know you ate lead chips. Everybody know you've been the same size since you've been six years old. It ain't enough room for you to turn around in a 200-foot apartment. Stop it. Okay? Hey, man, we got a big show for you today, man. Jason's gonna attack Mel Tucker. Now, in case y'all don't know who Mel Tucker is, Mel Tucker is the new $95 million man. So the question is, why does Jason have a problem with that? I'm gonna tell you. He's got a problem with it because Ball State was only 90 million off from getting it. Okay? He's also gonna tell you, give you a couple of thoughts about what's going on in the NBA and a few other things going around the world. Now, let me tell you this. My guy, one of the newest affiliates of the show, I like to call him the real TJ. He's gonna come in here and he's gonna act like he's E40 and he's gonna sprinkle us with a little football knowledge, okay? And then after that, we're going to go with my guy, our overseas affiliate, Steve Kim and them. Okay? And he's going to be talking about some NBA and some NFL, and he's going to be talking about some things that's going on. I'm going to tell you something. Jason says that that's his Korean brother from another mother. Y'all know that's a lie, because he could where he going to stay at in the 200-foot apartment. <laughs> All right? And lastly, we got Rashad McCants. Y'all know we call him the enforcer of the fearless army. And he, too, is going to be here to talk to the NBA. He says that the Warriors are back. And, you know, I love Rashad, but he's not the biggest Michael Jordan fan, okay? So I'm going to try to tolerate him. I want y'all to try to tolerate him. But we're going to lay hands and pray on the brother, okay? So right now, man, let's get down to it. Let's get down to the guy that you came here to see. He's the biggest man in the industry. He's the man that can go into a Waffle House and order everything on the menu, but thank you and come again. That man going to a restaurant, he don't order all you can eat. He eat all you can, okay? DJ, hit my theme music. Release the doves. Release the hounds. Release my little cousin, Big Filthy. And let's give it up for the big boss, Jason Whitlock. Thank y'all. Boom.
And uh, thank you, Uncle Jimmy. Uh, all right, let's get to it. Let's go right to the fire. Uh, we will soon learn whether Michigan State coach Mel Tucker suffers from premature veneration. It's a projectile dysfunction that afflicts many football coaches. It's when projections of greatness far exceed actual accomplishments and a school or franchise vastly overpays a promising head coach. The coach prematurely goes limp, leaving the team, fans, and decision makers totally unsatisfied. The highest profile example of premature veneration happened at Notre Dame 16 years ago. After a five and two start and reaching number nine in the polls, the Fighting Irish made Charlie Weiss the highest paid coach in college football, lavishing the former Bill Belichick assistant with a 10 year, $40 million a year contract, $40 million contract, not a year. Uh, after, his hot, after his hot start, Weiss lost 25 of his next 55 games at Notre Dame. Notre Dame fired Weiss halfway through his groundbreaking 10 year contract. So here we are again. The Detroit Free Press reported yesterday that Michigan State plans to extend the contract of its second year head coach to the tune of 10 years and $95 million. At an average salary of 9.5 million, Tucker would be the third highest paid coach in college football, trailing only Alabama's Nick Saban and Clemson's Dabo Sweeney. Sweeney, <laughs> Saban, would earn approximately 200,000 more than Tucker, and Dabo would earn about 8,000 more than Tucker. Saban has won seven national championships. Dabo has won two. In three years as a head coach, including one season in Colorado, Tucker has one winning season and a career record of 16 and 13. This extension, <laughs> Smells like premature veneration. Tucker's gone from dating Instagram models to hopping in bed with Mia Khalifa, the adult film star. The record contract might be far more than Tucker can handle. Let me say it in a different way by quoting the street philosopher and adult rap star Christopher Wallace, AKA Notorious B.I.G. Mo money, mo problems. Most people have more trouble handling success than failure. There are a million books written about overcoming adversity and failure. Success makes you an author, which is short for authority. Success means you have all the answers. Success allows you to write your own rules. Most people can't handle that. Mel Tucker no longer has to answer to a boss, the school's athletics director or school president. His critics are now irrelevant. It's game over. Tucker hit the lottery. According to the National Endowment for Financial Education, about 70% of lottery winners go broke in a few short years. I get why Michigan State is paying Tucker. LSU and USC were allegedly interested in hiring Tucker. Tucker has NFL coaching experience. An NFL franchise would likely offer Tucker a job this offseason. The competition to employ Tucker was going to be intense this offseason. Plus, two Michigan State boosters are financing Tucker's new contract, Matt Ishbia and Steve St. Andre, two Detroit area businessmen, are paying for Tucker's whopping contract. 
Isbia was a walk-on basketball player on Michigan State's 1999 National Championship team. Isbia is the president, chairman, and CEO of the largest wholesale mortgage lending company in America. He's worth nearly $7 billion. He previously gave $32 million to the Michigan State Athletics Department. He's a white male billionaire who loves his alma mater, loves sports, and understands the value of good publicity. Investing in Mel Tucker is cancel culture insurance. Ishbia wed himself to a high-profile black football coach. Mel Tucker's new last name is Ishbia. I don't write any of that to denigrate the booster or Mel Tucker. I'm writing it to explain another one of the factors that led Tucker to being paid like he's Saban or Dabo. It's brilliant marketing by Ishbia and St. Andre. But will all the money harm Tucker's evolution as a coach? Would Tucker's long-term success be better served by a contract that pays him $7 million a year for five years? Will the contract and the headline sparked by the contract create unreasonable expectations around Tucker? Tucker's deal will change the market for college coaches. Saban and Sweeney and others will get raises because of the deal handed to Tucker. But the headlines about Tucker's deal will not go away. His name will be attached to Saban and Sweeney moving forward. This Saturday, when Michigan State faces Ohio State, you will hear plenty of discussion of Tucker's contract. If the seventh-ranked Spartans lose to the fourth-ranked Buckeyes, you will hear that Tucker earns more money than Ohio State's head coach, Ryan Day. Sometimes, less really is more. A little less money would have protected Tucker's growth. I don't blame Tucker for taking the contract. I blame the overzealous boosters and Tucker's agent, Jimmy Sexton. I'm not vilifying Sexton, Ishbia, or St. Andre. They're all well-intentioned. However, they're doing what serves them. Jimmy Sexton is arguably the most powerful man in college football. Tucker getting paid as much as Saban and Sweeney serves Sexton. He represents nearly every college coach who matters. Changing the market serves Sexton. Over the next decade, Sexton will make far more money off the new market than Tucker will. Sexton can't lose. Tucker can. The whole sports world might see him prematurely venerate on national TV. He could end up with a big pile of money and Charlie Weiss's reputation. Tucker was already making $5 million a year. He was always going to end up with a big pile of money. This new contract puts his reputation at risk. Mm. All right. Uh, so we're going to go out to St. Louis, Missouri and bring in former SEC uh, Mizzou Tiger uh, wide receiver uh, T.J. Moe and see what he thinks about uh, Mel Tucker's new contract. And then we'll, after we talk to TJ, uh, we'll head out and uh, to Las Vegas and bring in uh, the Korean co-sell, uh, Steve Kim, to uh, further this conversation. But uh, TJ, we'll start here. Do you agree with me that Mel Tucker's new record-breaking contract could actually hurt Mel Tucker more than help him? I don't actually. I actually think there's a very good chance that Michigan State just did the biggest favor of Mel Tucker's life. And the reason I say that is this. I think 
Michigan State is paying Mel Tucker LSU money without having the pressure of donning the LSU logo. If you go to LSU, you are expected to go win a national championship. Look what just happened to Ed Orgeron. I get it. There's some underlying stuff there. But he wins a national championship. Two years later, they kicked him out the door. We have seen this really over time with the top 10 to 15 programs. I mean, Tennessee is another good example, right? They, they're probably a top 10, 15 program. And if they are not seeking national championship and making that progress, you are out the door. I mean, it is a revolving door of coaches at Tennessee. So Michigan State, to me, is a top 20 to 25 college football job. But they're paying him top five coach money. So – I mean, you look at the history of Michigan State. They have not won a national championship since 1966. It, this is not a, a program that is expecting national championships year in and year out. You win the Big Ten every three or four years, you're in really good shape at Michigan State. I don't think any reasonable person would argue that Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State are not better jobs than Michigan State. That means you are, have the fourth highest expectations in your own division. So he's sitting in a place where the expectations are reasonable, but he gets paid elite coach money. I don't think there's a better scenario. And in fact, I could make the argument that he will have much lower pressure than whatever step he would have taken next. All right, TJ, I got to ask the follow up, though. You're talking about they're doing him a favor. He doesn't he's getting the elite money, but he doesn't have these elite expectations. To me, and this is the 54-year-old me, you're just 30, just a young man, once they give you the elite money, the elite expectations go right along with it. Your name is no longer Michigan State head coach. It's highest paid coach in the Big Ten, Mel Tucker, and we want the highest paid results in the Big Ten. You don't think that's true? I think that should be true in his own mind. Don't ever accept big money if you don't think you can provide big results. I think any, any man of integrity would, would suggest that should be true. So don't accept this contract if you don't think this is what you're capable of doing. Any coach that's made it to this level should be capable, should believe they're capable of doing that. However, the rest of us sitting around a campfire, talking on Twitter, whatever we're doing, there will always be the out that says, yeah, but he's at Michigan State. Imagine what he could do if he was at Alabama and could recruit like that. Imagine what he would do at Florida, at USC, where in your own backyard you've got 25 top 100 players every single year and they're all dying to come here. Who grows up dying to go play football at Michigan State? There will always be that factor that gives him an out that says there, he's doing the best he can at a top 20 to 25 program and he's earning his living. I hear you, TJ, but that that just sounds so uh, youthful. It's almost (laughs) it's I'm just and I just say that it's like me because I have an affinity uh, for dating women who look far better than what I'm qualified to date. But (laughs) once you're in that relationship, you got to deliver. I got to deliver like I'm Idris Elba. Or I got to deliver like I'm, you know, T.J. Moe. Uh, <laughs> and and it, it just, that's what well, you sign up for. You want to you wanna date the best, you got to deliver the best. And you, you accept all that. I just think Michigan State fans, the guy's going to, and he's already delivering better than Jim Harbaugh. 
but that's going to be the expectation. We better be better than Michigan every year. Our coach is getting paid more than Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, and he's 2-0 and so far. You know, it's, there's a much broader conversation to be had here, too, and it's the strategy of Michigan State, right? Uh, you and I talked about this a little bit off-air this morning. There's a little bit of the Nick Saban factor here so far as they had the greatest coach to ever grace college football who worked for them for five years. His first four years were just okay, six wins, six wins, seven wins, six wins. Then he hits nine wins, and LSU takes him away. Well, LSU came calling from El Tucker, too. There's a little bit of deja vu there. There's also a fear of missing out. They've got some FOMO going on. And the broader picture goes even further than that. We are well aware that college football is going to continue to explode. Okay. Right now, I think I was reading, and these are outdated numbers a little bit because during the pandemic, everybody had a little bit different uh, revenue and people lost stuff with ticket sales and stuff. So these are a few years old. But right now, Michigan State football is responsible for something like $80 million in revenue per year, and they profit 40 something million. That's going to continue to go up every single year that the Big Ten pays out more. I think the Big Ten paid out like 50 something million dollars this year. So uh, remember, and you brought this up in your monologue, a lot of this is privately funded uh, by two guys in particular who came out, two donors who said, we'll pay for this. Why would you not, if you're Michigan State, try to do what Oregon did a few years ago and say, everybody's going to catch up eventually anyway. Why don't we just dump some gasoline money on this right now? See if we can beat some people to the punch, get in the conversation, and become one of these top-tier teams. Oregon is the only team in my lifetime uh, Oklahoma State's not quite been able to do it. They've gotten close in some years. Oregon's the only team in my lifetime that has gone from relatively average to going to national championships and being considered somewhat in the elite picture year to year. And they did that behind Phil Knight and his money. So why would you not try to dump this money on if you know it's going to continue to keep coming anyway? You brought me to another question or a different point. So Mel Tucker today called Michigan State a destination job. Basically, he's, he's saying he doesn't need to go anyplace. But, but you argued earlier that, hey, look, it's not Penn State, it's not Michigan, it, it, it's not the Ohio State. They're the fourth best team in their division. Do you believe Mel Tucker at $9.5 million a year, do you believe he will never go anyplace else other than Michigan State? Do you think he really believes it's a destination job? What if Mel Tucker bounces on Michigan State? I think they would have a little egg on their face. They might have a little egg on their face. I can tell you because of the coach that I played for, my opinion of this is a little bit skewed. Gary Pinkle had a job offer basically waiting for him at Michigan and he never got on the plane. So there, those people exist. Every person that's ever walked this earth is well aware that Michigan is a better job than Missouri, but he stuck around and that was his destination job. So that does exist for some people, but I don't know that they'll have egg on their faces so far as the money, because what they've done now is proven to the masses that they're willing to pay whatever it takes to seek success in the one sport that, provides legitimate revenue for your school. You can suck at everything else, but if you can figure out how to be good at football, then you are in the national spotlight. Mm. What do you think happens this weekend 
uh, with Ohio State? And, and maybe even more important, what happens the following? I think they still also have to play Penn State. I, to me, not, if they finish up nine and three after giving the guy all this money here this late in the season, I, I, I think we, that could be the first signs of premature veneration. <laughs> Fair enough. And it's a uh, rough timing for this guy as, as the top two guys in your uh, division are up next year. I think they lose to Ohio State. I think they beat Penn State without getting too far into the weeds there. I think that's a good season. And that, that is the general Michigan State expectations. You know, if, if you can beat Michigan, split with Michigan, Ohio, uh, with Ohio State and Penn State, you've had a pretty good year and you are right there in the conversation. Where he's sitting today, they're still in national championship contention. I mean, if he is a guy that can provide that year in and year out to Michigan State, forget everybody else, to Michigan State, that is worth $9.5 million a year. You know, TJ, talking off air, you and I had a similar reaction to one other aspect of this story. I saw a lot of headlines and saw a lot of references over social media to the fact that uh, Mel Tucker is now the highest paid black coach in any sport. And, and, and it made me, when I first started seeing that, it made me go, well, hold on. At nine and a half, where does he rank among just college coaches and just coaches in general? The, the whole black coaches thing and salary, just, it made no sense. It seemed forced. It, it somewhat, to me, it somewhat diminished Mel Tucker uh, and, and what he's doing, and we're going to put in this little special category of black coaches, but you also had an interesting reaction. Yeah, it's, it's denigrating, and it's, it is frustrating to me as a white guy, and I, I would assume it's much worse uh, to you as a black man, to read headlines that would imply that being black is a, is a disability. They're acting like a blind man just scaled Mount Everest. Right? It's not like he did not have the qualifications here. Now, he didn't have the success at Colorado, didn't have it first year at Michigan State, but he has had some of the best mentors in college football history. He played for Barry Alvarez, coached under Nick Saban, Romeo, Romeo Cornell, Mark D'Antonio, Kirby Smart. Like He's been around the block, and I think the media does this intentionally. I, I am not a big fan of the media in general. I, I tend to like uh, people that have covered me and guys like you that are willing to go against the grain. But the media in general, I think, is, uh, is not good for any of us. You know, if we wanted to solve why everything is so divisive, I think Morgan Freeman gave us this answer on 60 Minutes a few years ago. He was on with Mike Wallace. Mike Wallace said, look, how do we get rid of racism? And Morgan Freeman says, stop talking about it. I'm going to stop referring to you as a white man. I'm going to ask you to stop referring to me as a black man. I'm going to call you Mike Wallace. I'm going to ask you to start referring to me as Morgan Freeman. And we can move forward and heal. But the media has, has this thing where it's like it, it, is, it is somewhat underhanded racism, as if it's this crazy accomplishment. He, he climbed Mount Everest, but he was black. Can you believe that? It, I think it's a big issue. I think they would do everyone a favor if they would just stop talking about it. We could all move forward because I guarantee you that it would have never crossed my mind that, wow, I can't believe a, ba a black man is succeeding in today's environment. And I, sir, yep, I totally agree with you. Thank you, TJ. Uh, enjoy the rest of your Thursday. Uh, great job.
let me tell you about my friends at Good Ranchers. Uh, with the holidays quickly approaching, you need to see our friends over at Good Rancher to cover your needs or their family feast bundle or their better than organic chicken package to bring the holiday cheer to everyone. You'll get fresh, high quality chicken and beef that's been grass fed, finished off on grain. Good Ranchers tastes better than anything you can get from their online competitors or at your local grocery store. And all of this can be shipped directly to you in individually sealed and seasoned packages. With Good Ranchers, you'll receive 100% American farm-raised meat 100% of the time. Go to GoodRanchers.com to buy now or subscribe today and save 20% on each box of mouthwatering meats. Subscribing brings the cost down to less than $5 per meal. Plus, right now, get an additional $20 off in free express shipping if you go to GoodRanchers.com slash fearless or use the promo code fearless at checkout that's twenty dollars off and free express shipping at goodranchers.com slash fearless use the promo code fearless support good ranchers because they support me you and americans and people that think like us all right don't go anywhere the korean co-sell next All right, time to roll out to Las Vegas, uh, where the Korean co-sell Steve Kim is in Las Vegas, I believe, uh, for a fight. But we'll talk a little college football, a little Mel Tucker. We'll continue our Mel Tucker conversation with uh, the Korean co-sell. Uh, Steve, let's start here. Uh, why are you in Las Vegas, and why does it look like uh, you're at a massage parlor? Uh, wh wh where are you at? Uh, not that I know what a massage parlor looks like. I'm just well, now, wait, wait a minute, Jake. Based off. That's not till later tonight. We all have priorities. I got work to do here. Okay, got work to do here. Fearless always comes first. Got to have priorities in life. But yeah, I'm actually here at the uh, guest home. Uh, the palatial estate of my uh, manager, a guy that I do business with, Jose De La Cruz. He's got a guest home for me, always very hospitable. I'm actually here for the uh, Sean Porter, Terrence Crawford fight. I think it's an important fight. And I got to ask you this based on our conversation about two months ago after the retirement of Manny Pacquiao. Jay, do you know either of those guys, Sean Porter or Terrence Crawford? Yeah, I definitely know Showtime Sean Porter. He used to work at Fox Sports and would come on and, and talk a little boxing with us. Terrence Crawford, I know the name, but I don't know him. Okay, it's a really good fight, too. The best welterweights in the world. It's on ESPN pay-per-view. It's at the Mandalay Bay, which is a personal favorite of mine. And look, I still have to dip my toe into the boxing game. You know, last week, Jay, this is an interesting story. I was supposed to go to a fight that was on the zone at the Anaheim Honda Center. Now, I figured this being in Orange, Orange County and not L.A., that'd be more like America, that I wouldn't need a vaccine status card or anything of that nature. And they basically informed the media that if you go to this fight, you have to show your vaccine status or take a tester for 40 bucks. And I just said, you know what? I'm good. I'm going to stay home. I'm going to watch college football. Besides Miami blowing that FSU game angered me anyway. I didn't feel like driving. Uh, but here in Las Vegas, I don't think any such restrictions exist. Well, they certainly exist for Raiders games. You got to yeah. be fully vaxxed in order to go to Raiders games in Las Vegas. I, I can't imagine the Mandalay Bay. That's a gambling institution. 
I can't imagine them requiring people to be fully anything other than fully inebriated uh, to get into anything at the Mandalay Bay. I think that's the only requirement for Las Vegas. So just before I get back to Mel Tucker, who's going to win the fight? Well, look, Sean Porter is a very tough, hard-nosed fighter. No one's ever really blown him out. I don't think he's ever been dominated in this fight. His three losses to Keith Thurman, Kell Brook, and then Errol Spence. I was at two of them. You can make an argument he may have won one of those other fights. Every one of those fights, a round or two here, a round or two there, he could be easily undefeated, uh, even though he got a pretty, I think, very, very uh, a fortuitous decision against Ordenis Ugas. Sean Porter is tough, but the talent differential – that difference goes with Terrence Crawford. I'm actually predicting an 11th round stoppage for Bud Crawford. Mm. All right. So uh, let's let me return to my conversation about Mel Tucker. You read my column. TJ Moe and I just talked about uh, Mel Tucker. I'm concerned that he could suffer from uh, premature veneration and that uh, everybody could leave this deal unsatisfied. Uh, and, and this kind of reminds me of Notre Dame 15, 16 years ago, showering Charlie Weiss after a five and two start with a 10 year record contract. I think Charlie Weiss was the highest paid college coach at that time. Uh, do you share my concerns? After reading your column, I do. And let's go back to Charlie Weiss, who promised everyone at Notre Dame, you'll have a decided schematic advantage. First two years, he won 10 games, went to, I believe, New Year's Day Bowl games. And the schematic advantage, as soon as Brady Quinn left, it went right out the door. And this is the thing that's interesting about Mel Tucker. Oh, I, I really regard highly. He's a coaching riser. He's from that Nick Saban tree. But let's look at his head coaching um, track record in college football. He had one year at Colorado. Okay, they didn't even have a winning record, but a lot of people in Boulder were devastated when he left because they understood this guy's going to be good, but it wasn't exactly Bill McCartney. Now, let's go to Michigan State. Last year, COVID year, throw it out. He had the rebuild on the fly. This year, he has them in the playoff hunt, but this team has an inordinate amount of transfers. Their best player, Kenneth Walker, their leading receiver, Jaden Reed, were not originally recruited to Michigan State. Also, as you examine the record, and, and wins are wins, and you are what your record says you are, according to Bill Parcells, but they've had some close calls against mediocre teams that really kind of give you pause to say, is this really a dominant squad? They scuffled against Indiana, who's been a huge disappointment. They were lucky to escape against Nebraska. And I hate to bring this one up. <laughs> Jim Harbaugh in Michigan, I thought, was the better team when they faced off about three, four weeks ago. Now they're going into the horseshoe. This thing could fall apart fast. I don't expect him to beat Ohio State. Penn State's going to be a tough out for them the following week. My question is this. Did you actually pay for a high-caliber coach, which Mel Tucker might be, or did you pay as insurance for the threat against LSU? And that's the real problem. When you start playing this game of forecasting, you don't really know what you have right now because, let's face it, again, Mel Tucker is basically three years into his head coaching career at the college level. He's three years in, and he's got one winning season this year. They're 9-1, and one, ranked number seven in the country. Here's where I'll push back, though. The transfer portal isn't going anywhere. So that's just another version, another recruiting tool at a coach's disposal. 
And so let's not knock Mel Tucker because he and his staff know how to work the transfer portal better than others. Kenneth Walker, to me, like he blew my mind what he's done this season and is the best kid I've ever seen in the transfer portal. Uh, I mean, the kid's a superstar. So I'll give Mel Tucker credit for that. I just think that these headlines are going to be tough to overcome. And this, because he's now been stamped, and it, regardless of what happens during this offseason, when Nick Saban may get a raise, Dabble Sweeney may get a raise, Ryan Day may get a raise at Ohio State, and, and Mel Tucker, a year from now, may be the seventh highest paid coach in college football. <laughs> Who knows? Or, or he certainly, I don't expect him to remain that close to Saban and Dabble. But he's always going to be remembered as the guy who got paid as much as Dabo and Nick Saban. Mm -hmm. And people's expectations for Michigan State are going, the comparison's always going to be, again, it'll start this Saturday if they lose to Ohio State by more than 10, 12 points. Uh, they, this guy's getting paid more than Ryan Day. He's getting paid like, and he can't really compete with, and God forbid, if they turn around and lose to Penn State as well and finish the year nine and three, it, then it looks, and they're paying this guy all of this money. That, those headlines and, and perhaps the stigma or, or the stain or, or just the internet memes about how much he's getting paid and, and the wind, every game is going to be about how much he's getting paid. I think that could be hard to overcome. Well, Jason, you mentioned a name I thought was a central component, and maybe the bigger man in this story is Jimmy Sexton. He's the Scott Boros when it comes to college football coaches. He represents a lot of people, and he, when he raises the bar for one coach, it raises the bar for everybody. And then what do they say about a rising tide lifts all vessels? Well, this guy has got a Navy fleet. He's got an armada of coaches. But here's another thing with Mel Tucker. And again, I would not turn down any raise. None of us would, Jason. That's human nature. Someone wants to pay me more for not taking another job and doing the same job, we'd all take it. But there comes a point in time when a coach has to set down his roots and say, look, I'm going to build something here. I am very suspicious of these high, fast climbers that have four jobs in seven years and never decide to actually build a program. You know, I, one of my headlines that I got on my phone was from ESPN about the 2001 Miami Hurricanes, the greatest assembly of talent ever. People consider that, along with 95 Nebraska, the two greatest teams ever. I'm not inclined to disagree, but every time I read one of these stories, I think of Butch Davis. Butch Davis came there when the program was under probation. Dennis Erickson left a mess. He went through a five and six year in 97. Banners were actually flown over the Orange Bowl saying, get Butch the hell out of here. Two, three years later, he assembled, assembled in a monster team full of NFL pro bowlers, a cadre of first rounders and Hall of Famers. And he finished number two in the country in 2000. I thought they were the best team by the end of the year. Then all of a sudden, he carpetbags it to Cleveland, and his coaching career was never the same. And I always thought to myself, I know that Butch, every time he goes to bed at night, thinks I should have stuck around at Miami. I could have been the original Nick Saban. I should have multiple national title rings. So I, I find this game that coaches and agents play very seedy, Jay. I'm the type of guy that once I make a commitment to a job, my focus and commitment is on doing that job the best I can. You want to pay me more? Let's talk about that later. I like money as much as anyone else, but I believe there's an obligation to do the job. 
So now the pressure is, is right on Mel Tucker, as you stated, Jay. All right, you're getting nearly $10 million. You're getting more than guys with rings on their fingers. You better start winning 11, 12 games every single year. And, Jay, one last thing before I wrap it up here, because you know the dynamic of that rivalry with Michigan and Michigan State. Mike Hart said it best about 15 years ago. They're our little brother. And it's always been that way that when it comes to football, no matter what the state of the program is, it always seems like from a national and local perspective, Wolverines are up here. Spartans are usually a little bit down here. That's the reality. I argued, you just heard me here on this show in writing, and, and you just alluded to the point that, and I'm glad you picked up on that, is that this whole contract extension and record-breaking contract uh, serves Jimmy Sexton, the agent. Yes. He's going to make far more money than uh, over the next decade than Mel Tucker based off all the coaches he represents and him changing the market for college coaches. He's gonna make, this is going to be far more beneficial for Jimmy Sexton than Mel Tucker. I say the same thing about Matt uh, Ishbia, the booster, who the, the guy that's worth $7 billion, who's uh, he and another booster, uh, uh, St. Andre, are financing this contract extension. And so the Ishbia, he has now attached his name to Mel Tucker. He is Matt Ishbia, billionaire white guy uh, who are under attack in this modern culture, well now he's financed this black successful coach and he's got canceled culture insurance now. And so I'm, I'm just telling you, if Mel Tucker's raise was to seven and a half or $8 million, I think he makes five, five and a half million this year. But if it were for seven and a half, eight million, and his name was never in headlines saying he's basically making the same as Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney, that works best for Mel Tucker. This current scenario actually works best for the booster and for Jimmy Sexton. They win no matter what. They have burnished their brands and images by associating with Mel Tucker. They're going to win regardless. And I'm just saying, if Mel Tucker takes a million, million and a half less per year over these 10 years, if he only makes 80 million, rather than 95 million, there's far less risk to his reputation. He can have a nine win season and be okay. Uh, but when you're getting paid the same as Saban and whatever, you, you can't have eight or nine win seasons. Sexton, the boosters, they're the really smart people. Yeah, and that booster may have bought a little bit of woke credit. That's a very good point. And going back to the expectations, I, I mean, look, Jimbo Fisher at AM is a guy that has had to stave off a bunch of rumors the last couple of weeks, given his history at LSU. Great developer of quarterbacks, actually salvaged the, a really, uh, I think, a shaky year with a backup quarterback that sh last year or this year. They beat Alabama. Um, look, I think they are what they are, but look at the track record of Jimbo Fisher. Had a great career at LSU as an offensive coordinator quarterback coach. Went to Florida State when Bobby Bowden finally walked off into the sunset, had a four-year monster run where every year they won about 12 games. 2013 won a national title, went to another playoff in 2014, fell apart at Florida State, couldn't get along with the boosters. Along comes AM. 
you give Jimbo Fisher another couple of years and they could settle that quarterback situation with that recruiting class that's coming in that I've read about, Jimbo Fisher, again, I would not surprise me if he wins another national title. My question is, based on that track record and that ledger, what in the world is he worth in the open market, Jay? 12, 13, 14 million? This really is an arms race college football. That's what I've learned the last five, six years. It's, it's not even so much about the players. Players matter. They're the ones who play the games. But it's all that ancillary stuff and the power of the boosters and the board of trustees and a president if they really care about the game of football. In my view, I've learned that. That really determines whether a college program can thrive or not in this modern era. You really just brought me to a, another point that I wish I had thought of earlier. And, and I kind of said it already, the market is changing. But the market is also really changing because of name, image, and likeness in terms mm -hmm. of the players now are making money. And so no one can complain whatever <clears throat> you pay these coaches. We're going to have a $20 million a year <laughs> college coach. I would say in the next three to four years. Hmm. Who, what would Alabama pay to get Nick Saban to keep coaching for another five or six years? As you say, Jimbo Fisher hits the open market based off Mel Tucker getting nine and a half million for, uh, I think, a, a, a three-year record of 16 and 13. Hasn't hmm. won a conference championships, had one winning season. Jimbo Fisher may be worth 15 million. And, and so this market is about to really accelerate. No one's in position to complain anymore. Well, you know, how can they pay these coaches and the players aren't getting anything? Players are getting their cut now, too. There's going to be more. I, I almost wonder if, if you're not going to have NFL coaches looking over at the college landscape and going, oh, my God. Because Mel Tucker's making more money than Mike Tomlin. No, he is. But Jay, here's, here's the difference, though, in that job. And I'm a big believer in having free time and quality time spent with your loved loved ones or doing what you want to do. That's priceless. Here's what I've been I've been reading a lot about college coaches that they love the whole culture of college football. They actually like the recruiting. They like being in young men's lives. They like the, seeing a guy grow right in front of their eyes. They love being part of the community. They love actually seeing the academic culture grow within their program and helping out the library like the Joe Paterno of years past. Bobby Bowden was certainly an example of that. But NFL coaches, I think a lot of them are saying, you know what? I'm good with only getting seven, eight million dollars. I don't want to do all that recruiting. I don't want a glad hand. I don't want to kiss babies. I don't want to be a guy's father or their babysitter. See, that's that's going to be the question then, Jay, if you bring up that dynamic. Or is there going to be a, a really good college coach? Let's say Mike Tomlin, who had been rumored for the USC job, gets the call from that athletic department. I, I'm thinking to myself, if I'm Mike Tomlin, wait a minute. In Pittsburgh, I actually have a real offseason. I don't have to go to booster functions. And in essence, all I really have to do is win football games. I don't have to be an academic counselor. I don't have to be a father. You know what? Keep that extra $5 million. I'm good. See, that's the dynamic here. Not everyone is built for the NFL, and I think even less guys are really built for the long-term college game nowadays. I'll say this, and, and I don't know Mike Tomlin, and this may be completely wrong, but if USC called and said, hey, man, we're going to pay you $15 million a year, and we're going to hmm. give your assistant coaches 
an eight, nine, ten million dollar budget for your assistant coaches. Mike Tomlin is going to sit there and go, hmm. <laughs> You're going to do the math and stuff. Well, you know how many assistant coaches I can hire and how much free time I can build in by having an assistant for everything that I, I need done, basically? There's a way to skin the cat in college football, particularly now I'm t- with this transfer portal and all this. I'm just not sure if the recruiting is the same or as difficult or as time-consuming as it used to be. I, I think once these college salaries continue to escalate, you're going to see some NFL people say, you know what? I'll double my salary coaching over here in college football. And if it doesn't work out, I can just say I wasn't a good fit for college football and probably head back to the NFL. I, you know, money trumps free time for a lot of people. It does, but Jason, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree with you about the transfer portal. To me, the transfer portal has to be like a protein bar or a protein shake. It's a supplement, okay? You still have to eat real food, okay? Three, four, five times a day. Uh, a protein shake or a bar is just that. It, it's got to fill the gaps here and there, but you can't make it your diet. It, it's not realistic. If you look at the best programs, Alabama, they had a hole at wide receiver, so they have this kid named Jamison Williams, um, who's their number one receiver. He came from Ohio State, which shows you how deep Ohio State is at, at that position. He's going to be a first-round pick. They have a linebacker from Tennessee that's starting. Very good player. But outside of that, everyone is homegrown. You look at Ohio State, for the most part, they are homegrown. Clemson, uh, when they had their dynastic run, which ended this season, the previous four or five years, most of their players were homegrown. I'm with you. The transfer portal has to be a part of your roster building. You got to be able to plug holes. But as you saw at Miami this year, you could live by the portal. You can die by the portal. And if you don't have a Jalen Phillips coming in that could really be his own pass rush, Miami's defense has fallen apart. You have to have the ability to develop your players that are going to be there for three, four, if not five years. I don't look. I know that Kansas State did it years ago with uh, Coach Snyder. He did it with a lot of JUCO players. Jason, JUCO players can at least stay two to three years, depending on their eligibility. So, but even that's hard to sustain. So I don't know. Every year, think about this. Kenneth Walker, in my view, is one of the top three players in college football. Jason, I'm right with you. If he won the Heisman Trophy, I would not argue. I get the sense he's already got his mind made up that he's going to the next level. Is it really that easy to find the next Kenneth Walker anywhere? And Kenneth Walker is the type of guy that as soon as he leaves your program, your football IQ as a coach suddenly goes down 50 points. So you better have that set foundation of players within your system, within your culture that actually know what you want to do. Look at Alabama's roster. They use the portal, but they don't do it that much. They actually lean very heavily on their four and five year players or guys that just stay three because they're that damn good. Thank you, Steve. Enjoy Las Vegas. Uh, Catch up with our guy, uh, Rashad McCants. All right, we're going to let you go. Uh, Slow is just right if you're on vacation. A sloth or describing QuickBooks. More like slow books. Now is the time to make the switch to NetSuite by Oracle and the number one financial system. NetSuite gives you visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, e-commerce, and more. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books fast, no matter how big your business grows. Without NetSuite, 
you'll be stuck trying to make sense of your books while your competitors sprint ahead. 93% of surveyed businesses increase their visibility and control by switching to NetSuite. So if you want to take your business to the next level and do it fast, then you need to get to NetSuite right now. Special financing is back. NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program only for those ready to switch today. Head to NetSuite.com fearless right now. That's special financing at NetSuite.com fearless. That's netsuite.com slash fearless. All right, let's roll out to Las Vegas and talk a little hoops action uh, with fearless soldier uh, Rashad McCants. Uh, Rashad, we will start here. Uh, the Golden State Warriors or the toast of the NBA again. This is without Klay Thompson even playing, but the Warriors had the best record in basketball. Uh, uh, Steph Curry is the MVP favorite again. Is it too early to jump all the way on the Golden State bandwagon and say that you know this dynasty is back on top again and they're going to win another champion? I mean, Klay Thompson's close to coming back. They add Clay Thompson to this mix. It's hard to say. I don't even think what a James Wiseman. He's not playing either. Yeah. Uh, the warrior. The Warriors are back. They ain't never really left. I mean, I'm gonna take off my, you know, my little <clears throat> Clark Kent shirt and show my Warriors jersey because um, it's time for us to come back. It's, it's, it's we believe all over again, and you know. My critique of Steph earlier was my testament to understanding how his game has evolved thus far. But you look at the team dynamic and you look at the culture that they've brought back after allowing injuries to subside and and guys to come back like Draymond full strength, Clay's coming back full strength. And once they get Wiseman, they'll be right in the mix. But it's a big scare in the NBA right now, because if you really think about it, For those three years that the Warriors were dominating, everyone was just fed up with the winning and the whole Steph culture and Clay coming in his own and Draymond calling himself a Hall of Famer. Everyone was sick of that. Now, we had a little time off of the Warrior high life, and here we are again with Steph rising to the occasion. And everyone's going to hate it because good basketball is back. Good basketball is back. Let me say this, and and I like where you're saying that they play a style of team basketball that's fun to watch, fans find it engaging, but I also think, and I don't think anyone's willing to go here yet, but I'm going to go here. If Steph Curry somehow gets a third MVP title and a fourth NBA crown, this would be, if he got a fourth NBA crown and a third MVP, I think he's a threat to LeBron's legacy in terms of who really was the most dominant player of Mm. the past 12 years. And that's a big part. Once LeBron started winning championships in 2010 or 2011, 2012 is his first title. He gets Mm -hmm. to Miami, I think, in 2010. 
once LeBron started winning titles, that's when his era, in my opinion, really begins. And that's right at the beginning of the Steph Curry era as well. And so there's an argument to be made that Steph Curry is the transcendent culture influencing player of this generation, not LeBron James. Absolutely. Let's go into that. Steph Curry didn't have to build his team everywhere he went. Steph Curry hasn't left his team because they weren't winning. He didn't leave on a on a on a losing note three different times. LeBron James has quit on three different teams. And he's still chasing a legacy that Steph is just is falling right into his lap. And I think that's what's so commendable about Steph and his approach to the game is play the way you know how to play. Get your teammates involved and, and integrate them into the culture in which good basketball is always going to thrive. You look at a guy like Draymond Green being the anchor of the team. It takes the pressure off Steph Curry to actually go out there and perform at a high level. He can just go out there and have fun. J.J. Riddick said yesterday that you've never seen a shooter have this much confidence and freedom to do what he wants, but he still plays inside of a team concept. This eclipses LeBron James simply because he doesn't have to overexert himself for padding stats and pleasing the culture. He goes out there, he plays good basketball, he plays to his strengths, he defers to his weaknesses, and he's always been playing undermanned. You look at all the years that he's played, he's always had somebody out, whether it's Bogut, Draymond or Clay, and he still rises to the occasion year in, year out. LeBron James, unfortunately, is always plagued with some type of excuse. I need a better ball handler. I need some more rebounders. Kevin Love is out. Kyrie Irving's out. Then you leave Miami because you guys can't win six or seven that you promised us. So to me, this is LeBron's last year simply because he doesn't have time to put up with the uncertainty of roster uh, injuries, uh, AD and Westbrook not performing efficiently enough, and then Carmelo Anthony just being a wild card. Steph Curry don't have those problems at all. I, I It's hard to say that Steph Curry's been underestimated because he has gotten a lot of hype, but we have the basketball media has all revolved around LeBron James and is LeBron James better than Michael Jordan. And we've been having that discussion for 10, 11, 12 years straight. And it may be hard for some people to walk away from that narrative because they have so much invested in it. I'm just, if Steph does get a third MVP, a fourth NBA title, do you think the media will give him his proper flowers? Oh, yeah. Well, let's talk about, they've already given him the flowers. you got to remember, Steph was the face of the NBA for at least three years. He was the Patrick Mahomes before Patrick. And so it's not about giving him flowers that he's not even gotten before, but it's it's putting him on a pedestal now. Like, he's got to be considered top three. He's got to be considered one of the greatest of all time. And that's regardless of anybody's bias, regardless of anybody's opinion, Steph Curry's there. And hold, we have it, to- hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Hold, hold it, Rashad. You may have just gone too far. Top three, give me one and two, and then give me four and five. 
or I'll give you Kobe Bryant, Bill Russell. Mistake one. Okay. Bill Russell. Mistake two. And then I'm going Steph Curry. So, hold on. I didn't hear Michael Jordan's name anywhere in there. I don't put frauds on my list. I don't put frauds on my list, man. I I didn't hear Kareem (laughs) Abdul-Jabbar on that list. Nope. I didn't hear Magic Johnson (laughs) on that list. Nope. We're talking. I'm, 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 I'm catching up with the times, right? And I'm keeping Bill in there just so that we have some type of seniority, some type of um, camaraderie amongst the the errors. You got Kobe, you got Bill, then you got Steph Curry. These are all players who change and shape the game from the culture standpoint and the way we play it. Rashad, I know that you're. That Jordan is Jesus and you're are the who's savior the and that you're who's the Antichrist. Who's doing Scott? When you talk about culture, when you talk about culture, come on, man. Michael Jordan, again, I wasn't even a huge Michael Jordan fan, you know, as a young person or even as a middle-aged person. It wasn't until he retired that I gave him his proper respect. But st- come on, Kobe Bryant patterned himself after Michael Jordan. Yes. How, how that's like saying a Gucci knockoff is better than a Gucci. Hey, it's depending on who you asking. It depends on who you ask. Take, take this for example. Kobe Bryant, I've always said, adopted the game and he took it to another level and he amplified it for the culture. Michael Jordan came in and did it first. We never seen anyone do this before. We can't keep it in his hands because he did it first. Let's give it to the guy who elevated it for everyone. It was just who wants to be like Mike. When Kobe took over, it was everyone's coming to see the Kobe show. I've never seen anything like what Kobe brought to the game when it comes to the dynamic of culture. And it's not taking anything away from Michael. It's just saying that Kobe elevated it. Then you look at Bill Russell. He transcended the team game of winning. You can't eclipse Bill Russell and what he did. Steph Curry changed the game. We play the game differently because of Steph Curry, not because of LeBron James, not because of Magic Johnson, not because of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Come on, man. Lead the fossils in fossil land. Let's keep Bill Russell at the top because he did it all. Rashad, Michael Jordan, six MVPs, six titles, uh, has sold more shoes than anybody uh, not named Louboutin. Uh, I mean, come on, man. I, I get what Kobe, Michael Jordan, the television ratings, people yeah. coming out to see him play. There's been nothing like in basketball, nothing like Michael Jordan in terms of attraction, in terms of adoration and affinity. Michael, this is Michael Jordan was like the Beatles, Michael Jackson, you know, Kobe. Kobe is getting elevated in death. He's like a great artist, a great painter who dies 
and all of a sudden now his artwork is more valuable. It's almost like some of these rappers that, that get killed, and next thing you know, Nipsey Hussle is, is as big a deal <laughs> as Tupac, and, and no one, no, I mean, again, yeah, outside of L.A., no, no more, nobody was checking for Nipsey Hussle, and I know that, oh, stop it. Yeah, and, yeah. and so, again, we, we start, oh, someone died prematurely, let's elevate them. And this is not, I, I like Kobe Bryant post-career. I don't have a problem with Kobe Bryant. I loved him post-career. But, but let's know, and it's tragic what happened to him, but, but, you know, the imitator of Mike cannot be better than Mike. That's like, years. That's, that's like saying Usher's better than Michael, jo- Michael Jackson. Well, I think I would say more so like Chris Brown had a chance to be better than Michael Jackson. But this is the Kobe he argument. Did. He had a chance, a chance. And not saying that he was, he had a chance at one point. But the Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan argument is always about stats, influence, so on and so forth. I look at Kobe as a guy. 10 years, 10 years, two different numbers, same stats. And no one's ever been able to do what Kobe did in 20 years between two different eras. He's played against all the different defenses, all the different changes, the different ball changes, uh, stayed at the same organization his whole career. Like he's transcended what it calls to be a great player. But we're still talking about the bubble of that isolation ball, selfish ball. And we're talking about someone in the culture of influence. That particular era, Kobe Bryant is better than Michael Jordan at what he did. Isolation, selfish basketball, give me the ball, I'm going to finish it. Last second shots, all that kind of stuff. And it's to me, it's a no-brainer if you go back and look at it. Michael Jordan won six titles, six MVPs during an era where he dominated. Kobe Bryant, five championships, one MVP, where he dominated. We, we've we always looked at this conversation like, well, Kobe has to get six rings to even be conversated with Mike. And his death is one of those things that takes him to a Tupac level. Because if, if uh, Mike is Michael Jackson, if Michael Jordan is Michael Jackson, that has to make Kobe Bryant Tupac. And so... When you look at Tupac and Michael Jackson, these are iconic figures. You don't put them against each other. You don't compare them. You just have to put them there and say, look, man, let's take this as it is. You, you, you know that Mike had 10 scoring titles. Kobe had two. I believe that. Ten. If you're going to go and chase the, the game of basketball, the, the game of basketball is about shot making. I thought it was about winning. Well, winning and shot. You got to make shots to win games. And, well, you got to play defense, And Mike was too. pretty good at winning, too. You got to play defense. You, you got to do a lot. You know, Mike shot 49% from the field for his career. Kobe shot 44%. I mean, I, I mean I, you know, I'm going to stop because it's not even <laughs> worth debating Mike versus Kobe. <laughs> I want to go to the Lakers who are struggling uh, without LeBron James, do you think LeBron's return, and there's talk that he'll play on Friday, you think that fixes the Lakers? Oh, not a chance. Um, the Lakers are in trouble. 
They depended on Rob Palenka to save them somehow, some way. But man, he made this way worse than he could possibly ever imagine. You have a roster full of shooting guards and point guards. Uh, you got Kendrick Nunn on the bench. You got Ariza on the bench. You got LeBron James coming back. But their roster, when you really look at it, their role players are inefficient. Tucker is like the third, fourth best player. Dwight Howard, DeAndre Jordan are just taking up space, stealing money. And it's like, what are we doing? And you look at how they play, and there's no sense of urgency, almost like like you said before, guys don't want to play in the regular season. They're just waiting for the postseason. And it looks bad for Laker Nation because they have an expectation of championship basketball. And as a Laker fan, as a, as a long-life Laker fan for a while, after Kobe left, I had to look at the dynamic of why Laker basketball started to decline. And it's because they failed to realize to get solid players like the Warriors. You have to get a solid core of players that can do everything the team needs. They've stacked up on shooters because they have LeBron James pretty much wanting to play the point guard position and to facilitate. But you can't do that with Russell Westbrook. You can't do that with um, Anthony Davis, you know, wanting the ball the whole time and wanting to play isolation ball. It's just a it's a it's a shit show, to be honest. Like, this is not good for them. I, I'm, I'm worried for them because when LeBron James has heat on his back, he abandons ship. So if he <laughs> if he feels that he's going to get the blame for everything that's coming, he's going to get another injury and he'll be out for a longer period of time. Mm. I agree with you there. Uh, when the heat comes, he will abandon ship. Uh, let me move out to the East Coast and the Brooklyn Nets, I, it, it doesn't make sense to me that the Nets are struggling. They have Kevin Durant and they have James Harden. That's two of the 10 best players, two of the five or six play, best players allegedly in the league. I, I, don't, I don't think they should be having this hard of a time just because Kyrie Irving is out and banned because of COVID policies. It, it, they should be doing better than this, no? Oh, absolutely. Um, but the expectation, just because of two players on that team, is really unfair. Um, Blake Griffin had two points last night. Um, LaMarcus Aldridge had to come alive. They don't have the bench to support the main star players. Even without Kyrie Irving, you're supposed to have a starting or a supporting cast similar to the Warriors. Like you got Bruce Brown, you got Patty Mills, James Johnson, you got Joe Harris. I mean, there's a lot there. Even Paul Millsap that if they get it together, they're still like undermanned for the West Coast. And so it's kind of troubling, but I think that Kevin Durant and James Harden know one thing. We know how to play. And when the heat gets going, we just need to come together and have our troops ready. Now, Blake Griffin, he's got to rise to the occasion. LaMarcus Augers, you got to do something different that we ain't seen in the last seven years. And ultimately, you look at the New York press, and you know better than I do, they're going to they're gonna continue to dive in on Kyrie Irving until he comes back. That's going to put pressure on Steve Nash. But here's the ultimate conundrum. Mike D'Antoni is a part of the Brooklyn Nets. That is the biggest red flag in the world. Mike D'Antoni 
is the reason that any of these big time organizations that's rose to the occasion and lost at the end is because of Mike D'Antoni's philosophy, his system. And I'm, I'm scared for Brooklyn because he's a part of that team and they're not going to play no defense when it counts. He doesn't hold James Harden accountable for any of the things that he does when he was in Houston. He just let him do what he wanted to do. Then you got Steve Nash who pretty much is the same kind of way. It's like, let's play like we played in Phoenix. Let's run and gun. And if we get there, we get there. And that's not the way that Jay, um, that's not the way that Kevin Durant plays. Kevin Durant's coming from a system, an organization of team where we just play and do the right thing. So it's going to be tough on KD. I was told you had a thought on Mel Tucker and the contract he got or is getting from Michigan State, 10 years, 100 million. I talked with TJ Moe and Steve Kim about it. You have a thought? Man, um, 60 and 100 in 10 years. That was his record in the NFL. He was 60 and 100. And the last what do you mean 60 years, and 100? Oh, oh. The last Who's 10 right? years is Mel Tucker's NFL record, his stint from 2005 to 2015 has been his record as a defensive coordinator, the whole thing, 60 and 100. So here he is, three years as in. As an assistant coach, he, he, he was an interim, I just want to be clear, he was an interim coach with Jacksonville for five games. That was his NFL head coaching experience. You're talking yeah. about as a coordinator or as an assistant coach yeah. in the NFL. I'm talking okay, about the I just combined. want to be clear. Yeah, the combination gotcha. of all of his history of coaching. He has a dismal record. Um, he, he's loved in the NFL. You know, everyone loves his, his character, who he is. Um, but we have to stop giving out these these gift baskets based on, you know, how good of a person you are. <laughs> you know, um, it's like two years, three years in, in, in college sports, and then you get a big, massive upgrade. You are already getting $5 million a year. Now he's 9.5, and my take on this is similar to TJ's is um, the pressure that you're going to have to exceed. Like, you're going to have to come in and win, and I don't think that that particular culture of the uh, Michigan State is a winning program, and you put pressure on this coach, this black coach, which you've integrated and put him in this position because you want to avoid cancel culture, what you said in your mono. And it's one of those things where it's a pay to play. Now you've put a price over your head. All black coaches are now have a price on their head, whether you're going to accept this number. And if you accept this number, you're going to have to prove. So what it does to the black coach now is we're going to put a price on your head. We know you're not going to be able to exceed you're not going to be able to reach these number of wins and this level of expectation. So it's going to send a ripple effect down to the other black coaches to take jobs like this and say, we know you're not going to provide and prove success here because it's impossible. But we want to give you the opportunity so that you say you got the opportunity. You can't say that this is not good for the black culture. You can't say this is not good for black coaches to get the opportunity after three years and not really showing and proving that you deserve the money, this is the opportunity. So now we're going to wait two years. Like you said, Charlie Weiss, midway through, they cut him off. And it wasn't because of race or colors because you couldn't coach. So now we get to see 
If a black coach that's got this money, can he really coach? Can he really bring in top players and recruit? Can he continue to beat Michigan? Can he take it to the Ohio State National Championship game and go up against Alabama or Clemson? Because if he doesn't, man, that ass on fire. Thank you, Rashad. We got to go. All right, go to YouTube.com slash Jason Whitlock. Hit that subscribe, hit those likes, leave me a comment. If you're listening on Apple or wherever you're listening to your podcast, give me that five-star rating. Help boost this show up. Give us the five-star rating. Leave me a comment. I read all the Apple comments or wherever you guys leave comments on the podcast. Get in the comment section on YouTube. All right, uh, we'll get to our approval rating on Mel Tucker and Uncle Jimmy's thoughts on today's show. We want freedom I just want, I wanna be I just want, I wanna be I just want, I wanna be I just want All right, welcome back Uh, Uncle... Uncle Sergeant Jimmy, uh, what are you? What are you doing? You come, you're Bane now. What? Why are you covering your face? What's the issue? What's the problem, man? This, this is for real. What, what, what do you not understand about this struggle? The struggle's real. <laughs> what did you? What, what was the last thing you told me when you stepped into my dressing room this morning? What'd you tell me? I don't know. Jim, you got to step your game up. How much more you want me stepping oh. up than this? I, I didn't how, how much more you want me to step him up than that? Literally. All I could see was the mask. I had no idea that you had your Bootsy Collins. Uh, you had no idea that I, I, I was literally going to step my game up? Yeah, you did. Okay, well, you come did. on with it then, man. You might be uh, five foot eight in them shoes. Hey, it don't matter. I'm trying to reach it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey, it's like you said, man. What, what, what was that you said? Uh, do you date the best? Do you deliver the best? Yeah, 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 I did say that. Earlier. So is that why the hell you still single? <laughs> Got closed down for false advertisement? <laughs> Probably some truth in that, but you know what? I hate to even talk about it. Things are going so good. God is blessing me in so many different ways, Jim. I, I can't even, the conversation I had this morning, uh, I don't even, I can't even talk about it. It's like, Man, God works in mysterious ways. I mean, I heard, I heard you uh, bragging because you were speaking earlier. You was talking about something about a slow and a sloth. Was you I finally mean, coming to terms of why you never made it pro? <laughs> <laughs> That's slow and a slob. <laughs> Same thing. Slob. Uh, but anyway, did you have any thoughts on it? Did you enjoy today's show? Did you have any thoughts? Did hey, man. I, first of all, let me tell you. I, I, I call him the real TJ. The real TJ. Oh, I, 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 I like TJ Mo, man. Yeah. Honestly, I, I think we should. TJ kind of got saucy. I was a little surprised. Well, I, he disagreed with me. I don't, you know, I don't know how. Wait, hold on, hold on. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. See, first of all, I consider TJ. He's like the Travis Kelsey of this show. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? In other words, you would expect to see him with a sister before we seen you with me. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, and I, it's one thing evident about, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, about TJ. He must not know you very well because he got about one more show to set up and go against you like that. And we ain't going to see his ass no more. 
TJ's doing a good job. I yeah. like TJ. But I mean, because he, he was real with you. He's, he, and he kept it real. Of all, all of this talk, he said, hey, man, that man is making seven, eight million dollars, and he ain't got to kiss no babies. Jason, for, for, for one million, I'm kissing babies, <laughs> delivering babies, changing babies. Not damn. I mean, what, what? I mean, he got a point. <laughs> yeah, you may even take a shot from the baby. Uh, <laughs> you know, the baby had, you know, he killed a man in self-defense. He was the original Kyle Rittenhouse. So <laughs> they didn't put him on trial. <laughs> I'm not fooling with you, man. <laughs> Anything else in the show? My boy, Steve Kim. Um, the Korean Cosell, yeah. I love Steve Kim. Steve, Steve Kim and I have a little, you're going to probably get mad. We got a little business we working on off scenes. Uh, before, before Beauty I got Beauty shop, to, what? No, we, we're actually, uh, we, we're trying to, we're presenting something, we're going to do a remake of uh, the movie Rush Hour. We're going to call it Rush Hours. Rush Hours, oh, yeah. yeah. It's going to be a remake. Uh, Chris, you know Chris Tucker, the IRS wants, how many million from Chris Tucker? Like $9 million? Well, but see, that's, that, and, that, and that's the reason Steve is going to play the part of Chris Tucker, and I'm playing the part of uh, uh, Jackie Man. Blackie Man, should I say. <laughs> Every time they say, Blackie Man! <laughs> oh, all right. All right. Uh, what about my guy Rashad McCants? Any, any thoughts? Any? We're going to have to have a talk with Rashad. Honest to, be, uh, honest to goodness, man. I, I love him. Uh, he, he serves a purpose. I love to do. But this man literally just said it. Chris Brown, he was almost Michael Jackson. I nearly fell out of my chair when he said that. Chris Brown ain't Justin Timberlake. Thank you. And Timberlake's one of the all-time greats now. now you know, and, and like I said, I, I you know, love... I've been to three Justin Timberlake concerts. Did, did, that's, that's probably two more than Michael Jackson. Well, I went to two Michael Jackson concerts. Yeah, I mean, you, you didn't pass out like you was at a Travis Scott concert, did you? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> Well, I know you didn't, because I didn't hear about him bringing a forklift in to pick you up. <laughs> <laughs> and then to top it off, now to top it off, man, and I, I respect Rashad, and I love him dearly, man. I think his shirts are too tight. I think that's cutting off circulation to his head. But man, he called Michael Jordan a frog. A frog, yeah. A frog. Yeah, that was crazy. I mean, Scotty, he looked like a frog. <laughs> if you're going to call Michael something, Rockweiler. Pitbull. Well, you can't call it no damn frog. Dalmatian, perhaps? No, man, for real. Man. You, you, you can't do that. Man. We, we just gotta have a talk with your boy, man. Honest. There's rules to this now. Come on, man. Sometimes, I'm literally, sometimes, when you wear your shirt too tight, it cuts off circulation to, the, to the, your head. I, I don't know, man, but I, I, I'm a tolerate. I love the brother. I love him. You know, he's got, he's got potential, but he needs guidance. You know, I may have you work with him. I, I don't know, man. I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna be honest with you. You know, I worked in the jail. Okay, I'm be honest with you. He 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 be talking about I can't breathe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll probably get in trouble for that. All right, let's get to our uh, approval rating for Mel Tucker, the ten million dollar man at Michigan State. Uh, new contract. I mean, they didn't they don't made it. You you need Can a I booster. Ask you a question? We need boosters for this show. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, uh, That's for real, man. Because I've been here listening to you all day, and I. You hate for anybody to get close to you in the pay scale, don't you? <laughs> long, long as they leave, long, you, you accept uh, uh, Sweet, uh, Debo Sweeney and Nick Saban, but anybody else, you don't want them getting close to you on the pay scale, do you? Well, uh, you are the only sports journalist that gets paid like a college coach, and you don't have no complaints about that. 
Well, that ain't true for one, but uh, I, look, I got no problem. I just want to, I just think to do seven million, seven and a half, stay under the radar, and then in a couple, two or three years. They, but now that putting a lot of pressure on uh, Mel Tucker, uh, he's doing a great job. They're nine and one this year. They're playing Ohio State. Then they got to play Penn State. I, I don't think they're going to finish with just one loss, but I, I give him a 22 in job performance. Nine and one, he's beat Michigan two straight times. I give him a 22 in job performance. If he's a nine and one, he beat Michigan, why would you not give him a 24? Uh, who am I forgetting that they lost to? Was it? They lost to Purdue, lost to Purdue David and David Bell. That man is hired to do one thing. Beat Michigan. There yeah. you go. Come on, man. There you go. That, that's actually a good, that's maybe your best point. That was an excellent point. Uh, character, I don't know a lot about Mel Tucker. He switched jobs. He's a little, well, hell, I switched jobs a lot too. So. I was about to say, if that ain't your <laughs> Doberman Pinscher calling the great dame a dog. <laughs> I'm going to give him a 20 in character. You know what, I, man? This man represents all that is good in America. You know, I mean, come on, man. Isn't America founded on you, 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 you pay a man based on what he's worth? That's true. Come on, man. Give that man a 25. Uh, authenticity. Uh, he's called Michigan State a destination job, and at $9.5 million a year, I think he's actually right. It is a destination. They're paying that kind of money. So I'll give him a 22 in authenticity. Uh, I don't think he's being as honest as he says he is. I'm going to give him a 16 for authenticity because he might have $9 million, but he damn sure can't get a glass of clean water. <laughs> Michigan State ain't in Flint. <laughs> it's, in, it's in East Lansing. Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it factor. You gonna stand in the way of a good joke? Come yeah, on, man. It, it factor. I got. Look, he looks sharp in that green. Anytime I've seen him suited up, suited and booted, he looks good. Uh, so I give him a twenty in it factor. Uh, I give him a twenty-five. You said he looks good in that green. Yeah. He damn sure do. He just got paid. <laughs> he really does look good in that green. He gets a twenty-five from me. That man got that bag, man. Come on, bro. Uh, I've got him at a smoke show, a eighty-four total. You have him blazing hot at a ninety. How much was that check? Ninety-five million. A lot of money. He got a lot of money. I need to go into college coaching. I could buy me a Kardashian with some of that. Yeah, you really could. You could all, you, that's a down payment on a Kardashian. It's certainly that. Uh, all right, that's tomorrow playing. With that money here, you might be able to get, get your legal, phase, legal fees released on tomorrow about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not talking about tomorrow anymore after the conversation. Well, I, are you saying you don't want freedom? I do want freedom. Let's get some freedom. So let's get some freedom, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. We are receiving all the seeds when we all want to be free. We want freedom. I just want, I want to be, I just want, I want to be, I just want, I want to be, I just want.